a long time ago. It's the ship that made the castle run in less than 12 parts and the great disturbance of the force. I told you she would never partially betray the rebellion. That's no move. Cotton, it's right it's pulling us in. Stan Lee presents Star Wars, the greatest space fantasy of all, continuing the saga begun in the film by George Lucas. New planets, new perils. The dreaded Death Star is no more, and the evil Darth Vader, its sole survivor, is fleeing across the galaxy, lost from the sight of men. And now, on the fourth moon of Yavin, old friends say fond goodbyes, which can no longer be delayed. And thus begins Star Wars, Volume 1, Number 7, published January 1978. Our editor-in-chief is Archie Goodwin. Cover artist Gil Kane and Tony DeZuniga. Our writer is Roy Thomas and Howard Jenkin. Penciler Howard Jenkin. Inker Frank Springer. Colorist Carl Gafford. Letterer Joe Rosen. And our editor is Roy Thomas with Archie Goodwin. This would be the first story post A New Hope and the six-issue series that would begin Marvel's Star Wars comics run. The issue had a shipping date of September 13th, 1977, went on sale October 11th, 1977, with that January 1978 cover date. This New Planets, New Perils was one of the first installments of what would eventually become the Star Wars Extended Universe. And within that extended or expanded universe, introduces new characters. There was an interesting choice to be made here. And one has to speculate that Star Wars was not predicted to be this bona fide hit and phenomenon that it ultimately would become in May of 1977 through the astute decision made by Roy Thomas and Stan Lee to entertain the licensing rights here for Star Wars. And of course, the ability to be able to capitalize on that once it was a hit and be able to respond quickly by putting more issues out to some more books was critical to all of this. So at the end of A New Hope, you had a bit of a dilemma. Would you continue stories involving Princess Leia and Luke Skywalker and the Rebels and their cause, or there was a natural departure point of Han Solo, along with Chewbacca, with the Millennium Falcon, still having a price on their head from Jabba the Hutt after having just earned their reward for all of the actions that they did in assisting Luke and the entire Rebel cause and Princess Leia in destroying the Death Star. So, I cannot help but think that both Chenkin and Roy Thomas seized the opportunity to take a space swashbuckler with a big, furry, co-pilot companion in Chewbacca and focus in on them for their first original story right out of the chute, post A New Hope. And that's indeed what we get here. After bidding farewell to Luke and Leia, Han Solo and Chewbacca set out to return to Tatooine to pay off their debt to Jabba the Hutt. While en route, they are hijacked by a space pirate named Crimson Jack and his gang. The pirates take the entire reward money given to Han and Chewbacca by the Rebel Alliance for rescuing Princess Leia 
but they're spared their lives. Essentially, Crimson Jack figuring that Han and Chewie will come into more money through their business transactions and wanted to leave them to be an additional target to come back to. Now, forced to lay low and unable to go to Tatooine, particularly with this bounty on them, this debt on their head, they chart a new course. They can't pay Jabba. So the two seek refuge on the planet Aduba Three. They are hired by Para, a priest of this sacred way, to help bury a recently deceased Borg, or Cyborg. Although they meet with some resistance from the locals who object to providing this reverential treatment of a proper burial for a Borg in a traditional mound there on Aduba 3, they do eventually find their way to the burial site and assist Para in this task. After completing the task, both Chewie and Han go and seek the rest and relaxation of the local cantina, where they're presented with a much deadlier job. Wow. Where to begin on this one? I have to say that Aduba 3 was a different flavor than the desert planet of Tatooine, but still had the key elements that made Tatooine and Star Wars and Han Solo and where you would expect a space swashbuckler to be and provide him with the richest of interactions. So if you're a kid having just seen Star Wars, what did you want to see more of? Oh, more really cool looking aliens. Absolutely. Well, it's got that. Two, a lot of action with Han and Chewie. Yep, check that one too. Some conflict, of course, to go with that action because you need something to fuel it, right? Yep, we have that. And of course, heading to the cantina because one of the most compelling scenes from A New Hope early on in that film are the series of events that take place in the cantina from the hiring of Han and Chewie to take Luke and Obi-Wan to go rescue the princess to then Han Solo's confrontation with Greedo. Cantina, aliens, roughnecks, a local population that's quite diverse with different aliens, not liking what Para, this priest, is trying to do, Han and Chewie getting hired to help, has all the essential elements in there. And you would think, okay, this is going to be great. And it even has a pirate coming in and robbing the Millennium Falcon. So you've got intrigued with space pirates. You've got local aliens on Aduba, different races of folks, really interesting. Lots of cool stuff to put on the page. And indeed, Howard Schenken leans hard into those alien visuals and delivers on this issue. Now, where this begins to fall short, I'm not going to say that it was laziness, but it certainly appears that there was reappropriation of previous character that had donned a comic book page. And it was actually for a competitor. If you take a close look at the space pirate Crimson Jack, there is no doubt as to the origins visually of that character. That character looks to be a cousin, a brother of Fafford from Fafford and the Grey Mouser series that was over with the DC Swords and Sorcery series of the early 70s. Crimson Jack is the spitting image 
of Fafford, even down to the swashbuckling boots in this little tight costume thing with the bare legs. So looking a little barbarian-esque, even with a little knot, though it's smaller in the back of the head as far as the braid is concerned. This really looks like that character. And the beard, there's just no mistaking it. Schenken sought inspiration from something that he had done previously, and now chose to put that on Crimson Jack. Okay, it's different. Matter of fact, that entire gang that he's got with them are different. They look like this mashup of a medieval Renaissance fair gang with blasters and swords. It really mixes science fiction and sword and sorcery together in this gang of space pirates. So it's kind of cool from that perspective. And leaning into a big trend of the times as fantasy fiction was really hot in the late 60s and into the 70s. When you're talking about Star Wars, you're talking about a space fantasy. It is science fiction, yes, but at its heart, you're dealing with a lot of the hero's journey, Joseph Campbell, a lot of lore, legend, fantasy. It fits. It's a space opera. So thematically, it fits in. It's just a little clunky as far as the visual is concerned, in my personal opinion. Then we head down to Aduba 3. I did like the originality with which Chenkin developed that world. It was really, really cool. You, of course, did see those certain beats, those certain elements that would resonate with a Star Wars fan already having experienced Tatooine. It's a spaceport. It's a different land. Lots of aliens. Cantina. However... Where this falls short is not in the visuals, but actually in the scripting. And I like Roy Thomas an awful lot. However, because we were not working off of the script that we had in the previous six issues for A New Hope, and we're going on an original script, some phrases of the day enter into the dialogue. For instance, did we know within Star Wars that there was Sunday School? Han Solo has a reference to Sunday school, and maybe he should have stayed in Sunday school a little bit longer to learn about the local religions and practices of Para, the priest here in the sacred way. Then there is another turn of phrase that Han Solo uses in, in saying, wow, how do we get out of this clam bake? So apparently there's clam bakes here within the Star Wars universe. Just some turns of phrase that I wouldn't expect Han Solo to say. So those were kind of misbeats, if you will, or missteps, stylistically speaking. Otherwise, the story plotting and arc were fantastic. Really enjoyed it. It was jam-packed with action, plenty of conflict. You actually delved deep into different cultural understandings between those locals there on Aduba 3. And then, of course, Para, this priest, who is also alien in looks, wanting to make sure that this Borg, this deceased Borg, this deceased cyborg, this half-man, half-machine, received the same type of burial rites and reverence as any other being on that world. I also believe that this is the first time that the term Borg or cyborg would be used in the context of the Star Wars universe. And, and that's pretty significant, particularly when we're talking about the Star Wars Expanded Universe. As we were beginning to lay new groundwork here, tread into new territory with these original stories. All in all, I thoroughly enjoyed this issue. 
and felt that new planets, new perils was a great first step into original storytelling that was both compelling from a story arc and plotting perspective in the writing, but also through Howard Jenkins' visuals with only some slight missteps. I will say that a most amusing section here at the end of the book is in the cantina. And filling the pages of the cantina were several, I would say, posed shots that looked like they were inspired by the 1977-1978 winter issue of Cosmic Vogue, showing what the latest spring fashions would be for the coming year. All of the female aliens are dressed to the nines in very highly stylized garb, whether it look bathing suit-esque, whether it look gown-esque, whether it's hats or accessories. I feel that Schenken was taking some inspiration from some of those high-profile modeling magazines, such as Vanity Fair, Vogue, those fashion magazines of the day, and bringing elements of that into that cantina scene at the end of this issue. So be on the lookout for that one when you're reading that. Because it is most entertaining, and you quickly see where the comic grounds itself in the times. Not only those turns of phrase that Han Solo used with the Sunday School and Clambake, but then also these female aliens who are dressed in these cosmic fashions that look like they were plucked from 1977, but then put a little bit of a space twist on it. Well, kids, we would love to hear from you once you have read Star Wars Volume 1, Issue Number 7, New Planets, New Perils. Please leave us a message via the Anchor app or send us an email at kirbyskidspodcast at gmail.com and Obi-Wan, take us out. Your destiny lies about the different parts of your mind. Long time ago, a classic Marvel Star Wars comic book series is dedicated in loving memory of Charles Lippincott, who George Lucas hired in late 1975 to join the Star Wars production as Vice President of Advertising, Publicity, Promotion, and Merchandising. To quote George, Charlie was one of the founding pillars of the Star Wars films and phenomenon. He began in earnest the concept of licensing motion pictures at a time when the only other company doing so was Disney. Charlie was the one who said early on that we can make this work and was the first person to both develop Star Wars licensing and engage with the fans. He had insights into marketing and public relations that were truly unparalleled. And a prime example of that is Comic-Con today. It was the marketing strategy for the original Star Wars film, A New Hope, that came out on May 25th, 1977, that Charlie would take one young Mark Hamill and they would barnstorm the science fiction and fantasy and comic book convention landscape leading up to the launch of Star Wars. To that, Charlie, we thank you. We thank you for comic books being a part of the Star Wars universe. And that is what this series is about.